0: starting in verse 16, says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I don't know if you heard me read that last part. Maybe I should just read that again but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, if we were in a church that was excited this morning, we, we would kind of come unglued at that part because we would understand, had it not been for the love of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, there would be no hope for us. Beyond any confusion, beyond, this is a lot better than an election, people. This is, this is the love of God tangibly seen through the loving the loving mission of Jesus Christ it says verse 18 whoever believes in him is not condemned man that's good for some of us because some of us are whoever's you know what I mean some of you never realized you were whoever till you got wrapped up in something and then all of a sudden you realize just how important it is that Jesus came for whoever will believe in him not predicated on what you've done what you do I got to read this or I'm going to get started preaching Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. John three sixteen through 18. I'm going to ask if you would just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask if you would just to center yourself on Christ. This week has been nuts. I'm pretty confident the upcoming week is going to be just as crazy. Right now, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know. But this has been a difficult season for a lot of us. Today, God wants to speak to you. God has a word for you from His Word, from His holy teachings, His holy scripture. Tune your ears right now to Him, clear your mind. Right now, your worries will still be there after church. Don't worry. Put them aside for a little bit. This is just about you and God right now. Take a moment. God, we need you in this moment, we need you today. We need your presence, we need your spirit, we need your mercy, your grace. Lord, we need your truth more than anything, the truth of your word, spoken into our hearts. God, speak to us today through your word. Beyond me, beyond here and now, speak to us. We are listening. This is your house we welcome you here. In Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys today. If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, my name's Travis, and I have the, the honor of serving as the lead pastor here at Covenant. And, uh, you know, I, I always want to make sure and do this. We have so many friends and 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 family members who are a part of Covenant who who still have not been able to come back to a Physical service, and so they're joining us online. And we want to make sure that, that they feel just as connected as if they were, they were here. So, would you, would you join me this morning in welcoming our online family this morning? They're watching right now. Could you just welcome them? Welcome, guys. Glad to have you. Glad to have you, guys. And if you're a first time guest, we're so glad to have you as well. Uh, man, we love what God is doing in his house. And make sure and stop afterwards. Meet us over here at the first time guest area love to get to know you fill out a card give you some good stuff all right so we're in week two of this new new series all things restored and we're in John chapter three now I'm going to warn you a little bit this is this is a little bit of a stronger teaching okay and so we're kind of going to go there today I'd love it if you would give me permission to kind of be a little strong in some areas can I have that permission yes okay because like I was going to say I was going to do it anyway it's just better if you get on on the train all right um, and also, we're a church that worships in spirit and in truth, and so I'm going to encourage you to get out some notes, get out your phone, maybe you brought a desktop computer, that'd be weird, but if you did, open up word processor, and, and let's take some notes this morning. The first thing I want you to write down is John chapter 3, and verse 16, we know this verse, If you've ever been to a a football game or watched the Browns on TV, uh, you see the dude in the end zone. He's got up the sign that says John 3.16. Of course, a couple years ago, Tim Tebow popularized the verse even more, John 3.16. And so I thought maybe we could just read this out loud together as a church. We're going to put it up on the screen. And I'm going to ask if you would just read it nice and loud. I think it's important for us to hear one another reading the words of God, okay? So I'm going to start you off, and then just read it together. Ready? For God so loved... But have eternal life. Now, as followers of Jesus, we know that this is the crux of the gospel. Amen? Had it not been for God, this eternal God, sending his Son into our atmosphere, into our world, to live a life we couldn't live, die a death we couldn't die, and rise again in a way that was perfect, there would be no hope for us, amen? Come on, I wish I had a church that was excited today. There would be no hope for us, amen? So this is the crux of the gospel. God so loved the world. Now, for those of you, some of you, we don't get excited about this because you're like a long-term shareholder in Christianity, right? You've been holding for a long time, I mean, you've been three years old, like, singing, Jesus Loves Me. And I get it. There seems to be this thing that happens when we read Scripture that we're very familiar with. It seems to lose its, its edge, maybe, at times. At times. Not that it's not living and breathing and, and active, a two-edged sword, as Hebrews 4.12 tells us. But, but, but it seems to kind of lose its effect on us every once in a while. Can we agree with that? Yeah? If you're, if you're familiar with it. Um, but, but I want to, and, and maybe you're even tuning me out like, oh, John 3.16, this, this is a gimme, so I'm just going to kind of chill back here, right? I want to encourage you to not do that today. I'm going to encourage you to actually engage, because I think there's something in this passage of Scripture that has some, some very strong implications. In fact, look at it one more time, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Pause. For God so loved the world. How much is that so worth. Like, like, what is the stored value of love within so? Because I use words like so all the time. How'd you like that movie? Oh man, I so loved it. How'd you like that pizza? Oh man, I so loved it. Right? Do you love your wife? Oh, I so love it. You know what I mean? We say so, but what is the stored value in, in God's so? In other words, how much is so worth as it pertains to God and us? And here's the first thing I want you to write down. Number one, write this down. The stored value of God's love is shown in what he gave. The stored value in God's love, in this so love, not just love, but so love, is shown in what he gave. We referenced this verse last week, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, up on the screen. It says this, God shows his love. Okay, Pause. Whatever we're going to read next is going to demonstrate just how much he loves us. So if I say, I'm going to show my wife that I love her by bringing her a box of chocolates, you might be like, oh, you kind of love your wife. But if I say, I'm going to show my wife that I love her by by building her a huge chicken coop, which if you know my wife, that's a lot, right? You would be like, wow, you really love your wife. So whatever you say after is going to quantitate how much love you actually have. Are you with me still? Okay, one. Good. Awesome. That's all I need. Just charge with me, man. We'll just do it, you and me. It says this, but God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this is a loaded verse because it doesn't say God showed his love for us because he sent Jesus to die for us. No, 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 it doesn't say that. It says that even when we were still in a state of death, God sent Jesus to die for us. See, one of the most amazing things about the gospel, one of the most amazing and illogical and irrational things about the love of Jesus Christ is that he loves people who he knows will never love him back. Why? Because God so loves because the stored value within God's love is immensely perfect. God loves you perfectly. God loves you so much. See, some of you, you, you I say this and you're like, no, God hates me. Stuff never goes right for me. She left me, he left me. The stuff is bad, I can't catch a break. God, God's mad at me, God hates me. Okay, just keep listening. Jump over to Matthew chapter 22. I love this passage, I love this passage, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, somebody asked what the greatest command was to Jesus, and look how he responds, Jesus says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, other gospels say, and strength, and this is such an important passage because loving God with all your heart and with all you are, with your everything, is not just a command, it's a, this is where we're going to get a little tougher, okay, we're going to stair step it down. Okay? But just hang tight with me. This is not just a command. This is a demand. This isn't just a command. Hey, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is a demand needed to follow Jesus. What's the greatest command? Love God with everything you are. That's a demand. In fact, go over to Matthew chapter 10. This just kind of reiterates this. Verse 37, Jesus speaking with the same people he lays down some pretty scorched earth theology (laughs) this is the time jesus is going to share this then all the disciples are going to walk up to jesus and be like jesus what are you doing we had a good thing going people were coming people were showing up to your rallies and then you say this who's going to even stick around listen what jesus says he basically says this whoever loves their mother or their father more than me is not worthy of me whoever loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Strong teachings. Here's all these people who are, who are wanting to get around Jesus, and Jesus says, hey guys, thanks for showing up. If you don't love me more than everything in your life, then you're not worthy to follow me. Can you imagine that? Oh, okay, this, is, this isn't what I was anticipating. And yet, this is what Jesus says. In fact, you have two powerful, deep life transforming Commands. Love God the Father with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love Jesus more than you even love your children, more than you love your parents, more than you value anything. And so here is the issue. Listen now. None of us have a difficult time recognizing the incredible depths of God's love towards us. But all of us have a difficult time grappling with the fact that we are supposed to value the love of God in Christ more than anything in this world. All of us grapple with that fact. And and so let's let's ask a couple questions pertaining to this, pertaining to our love towards God. Okay, here's the first question. Number one, what is... The relationship between loving God and loving Jesus. Maybe you've never thought about the difference. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Yeah, sure. Well, do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. What about God? Sure, that's his dad, right? Yeah, okay, we're good. Or maybe you've never really thought that there was a difference at all. Maybe you've never thought of it. But the reason that it's kind of on the front of my brain is because of the way culture is right now. In, in fact, in the culture that we live in, there are so many converging religions and theologies I mean, my children are friends with people who are, who are Hindu in their, in their violin classes. Or, or maybe we know some in, individuals who, are, who practice their Muslim faith. And, and, and so some of the conversations we get caught up in a lot, in, into a lot, are this. Or these kind of questions. Or these kind of conversations. Hey, Travis, yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, we, we all worship the same God. You know, you follow the teachings of Jesus. I follow the teachings of Muhammad. But at the end of the day, we're all worshiping the same God. Different vehicles, but same destination. And so we hear this. We hear this, oh, you say God, I say Allah. And and we hear this over, uh, do we not hear this? Over and over and over and over again. But in the end, we all get to the same God. Well, here's what Jesus has to say. John chapter 8, Jesus looked right into the face of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he said, "If, if God were your father you would love me. Watch this now. This gets good. If God were your father, you would love me. Now hold up. I don't think we understand what just happened in that passage. Jesus is saying to the most religious, most God-centered, Old Testament-saturated people on the planet, you don't know God. That's what Jesus just said. If God were your father, you would love me. That's what he said. Right now, I want you to understand something about Grove City, Ohio. We are the most... Bible-saturated, Jesus-saturated religious area. We, we are. I don't know if you realize that. Literally, we, we meet in a gym that used to be a fitness, and we have a gigantic sign that says Covenant Church. If you drive down a half a mile, there's another church. If you drive down another mile, there's another church. Right down here on the other side, there's a church. Right down there, there's a NAS. We, we li- like, you literally can't walk anywhere without tripping over Jesus in Grove City. And I'm going to say it's a bad thing. Praise God, that's a good thing. But if Jesus were here today and you were to stand before him, I wonder if God, if Jesus would say, if God were your father, you would love me. Because he's telling them, you don't know God. He's not your father. In fact, if you don't believe me, continue reading. Later on, he says, in fact, your father is the devil. Your father is the devil. Now, I don't know about you, that's kind of a strong statement. Your dad is Satan. That's a bad statement. Let's look what else he says. Look at this. John 5, 42. Jesus says to the same teachers, I know that you don't have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name and you didn't receive me. And so what is the litmus test? See, when I talk with people from other religions that tell me, hey, we're all going to the same area, I would say, ah, we're all going to the same God. We worship the same God. Jesus would say, you don't know God. He's not your Father. Why? Because you don't love me. Now get this now, church. Jesus says, I know that you don't have the love of God in you. Why? Because I've come in my Father's name and you haven't received me. Do you see the implication here? You don't have the love of God in you. Why? Because you don't love Jesus. You don't know the true God if you haven't received the Son of God. Are you guys following me on this? Does this make sense? Yeah? So the answer to the question of what is the relationship between loving God and loving Jesus is this. You can't have one without the other. Loving Jesus is the test of loving God. Loving God is the test of whether you truly love Jesus. Jesus even says in John 14, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life no one gets to the father except through me so if you claim to love god you must love jesus are we all on the same page yes okay very important we all understand that because your second question what is the nature of this love okay love but what does that mean and this is where we go wrong as a church community because when we start to try to define or put parameters on love we do a couple things. Usually we get really legalistic and we usually we get really religious really fast. Well, clearly that person's not a Christian. Look at their hair. Clearly that person's not a Christian. <laughs> he wore a hat. Clearly that person's not a Christian. Look at their tattoos. These are all, we, we, oh man, that's crazy. These are all things I heard growing up. These are all things still being said. Well, clearly they're not a Christian. Why? Well, just look at them. I'm sorry, what? So what is the nature of this love? This is going to try to push us down a religious path, and we have to fight against it. it is, does it actually have to do with emotions and affections, or does it have to do with only obedience? Now, we need to be obedient to what God commands us to do, but, but here's a question. Shouldn't there be some authentic emotion along with it? Like, shouldn't there be affection for Jesus Christ? I'm asking you, should we feel something? Sometimes in Christianity we think, like, feelings are bad, all feelings are wrong, I must not feel a thing. Like, what? Are you a human? I feel things, man. I told you last week, I'm the emotional one in my marriage. My wife is the intelligent one. You're like, yeah, I already knew that. I met you one time and I could have told you that, Right? So I feel things very strongly, and I think for a long time I thought that was a bad thing as it pertained to my relationship with Jesus. But sometimes I gotta be honest with you. Sometimes when I'm singing with you all, I just want to lift up my hands and shout. And 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 I think a lot of times some of us we've grown up in an environment where like no that's wrong. Do not clap. Do not praise. Do not close your eyes. Do not cry. Do not do. Those are bad things. Just give a hearty amen, and that'll do, brother. But I want you to know, i got to tell you, do you remember this story? I can't can't jump ahead. This is just so good. Do you remember that story in the book of Luke where Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house? Like, what's the nature of this love? This story demonstrates it. Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house, a very upstanding Pharisee. and, and, And he walks in and he takes note. Jesus isn't really welcomed with a holy kiss, which that's weird in our culture. Don't greet me with a kiss at your house, by the way. But back in Jesus' day, that was, a, that was something that took place. Greeted with a holy kiss. And, and Jesus wasn't greeted that way. Nobody washed Jesus' feet as he walked in. Nobody really extended any uh, cordial, hey, welcome. He just walked in. And Jesus, it says, sat down at this table. They reclined at this table to eat. Um, and they began having a conversation. Talking about very religious stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know the story? Remember what happened? All of a sudden then, a woman from outside walks in to their meeting. And this woman was a prostitute. Now this Pharisee is taken aback, but this woman has no qualms because she recognizes Jesus. Do you remember what she does? She walks right up to the feet of Jesus, which sounds weird to us. But at that time was not so strange, would have been wearing sandals, would have been reclined on the floor eating food. And she begins to weep over the feet of Christ. She begins to cry, so much so that she then takes her hair and begins to wash and wipe off the tears from his feet. The man who is sitting there, here you can just imagine, here's this woman, here is Jesus, and here's the Pharisee. The Pharisee looks at Jesus and said, if you were a prophet, you would know who that is. And Jesus tells him a story. And then he follows up with this comment. He said, you know, I walked into this house, and you didn't greet me with a holy kiss. I walked into this house, and you didn't say, hello, you are welcome. You didn't wash my feet. Jesus goes on and he says, but from the moment that this woman walked in, she has done nothing but bless me. She has cried over my feet. She has wept over my feet. She has washed them with her tears. Why? Because she knows how much she has been forgiven. When you try and generate an emotion about Jesus, you're missing the point of Jesus. When you lift your hands because the person next to you is doing a worship, you get in line, you're missing the point of, pra- the point of praise. When you close your eyes, because that's what everybody does when they pray. When when you try to generate some type of emotion, you're missing the point. I ask you, where does that love come from? Where do we get this love? This love is understood by those of us who have been forgiven. How does Jesus become our greatest treasure? Which he must be. He becomes our greatest treasure. He becomes the very, the thing that we strive for when we remember who we used to be. When we remember where we would go if it had not been for the intervening grace of Jesus Christ. Anybody out there this morning? And so the farther away that we get from that moment where we are born again to where we are now, We move into this religious territory where we begin to become very comfortable with passages like John 3.16. Where we're like, oh, I already know that. I already know that. I'm all about head knowledge. When sometimes you just need to remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not just your mind. With all your soul. Not just your mind. With all your strength. Not just your mind. Some of you have gotten so up here in your brain that you are not helping anyone at all. In fact, sometimes it can be a big turnoff to somebody who's new to Jesus. Can I just be honest? Thank you. Somebody has an encounter with Jesus Christ and they are miraculously saved. Their desires are changing, they are evolving in their pursuit. The things they used to do, they don't want to do, they still screw up. They still mess up. They're still grappling with addiction and pain. And they're on fire. They can't read the Bible enough. They can't pray enough. And then they walk into a church expecting that other people who have been saved in a likewise manner would be excited. And instead, they walk into this. Oh my gosh, is he going to preach? Is is he going to preach long today? He's going to preach longer today. (sighs) Okay, here we go. And we wonder. (laughs) We wonder where... Where is this excitement? And then we say, okay, well, I guess that's what it looks like to be a Christian. I guess that's what it means. And we begin down this religious process. I want to encourage you today to remember the words of John, chapter 3, verse 16, because he tells us, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son And that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Church, that is a verse that you should tattoo on your heart. That is a a verse that should make you unglued. Had it not been for the love of Jesus Christ, had it not been for the grace and mercy of God, had it not been for Him reaching into the grave and choosing and calling and pulling you to life, You would have no hope. There would be no future, and life would be dark. And we should celebrate that to the roof. Come on now, church. We should celebrate that today. Come on. Now, the inverse, Jesus would say, and I gotta wrap this up. I gotta wrap this up. Y'all gonna get mad at me. I gotta wrap this up. Because the biggest problem in scripture, the biggest problem with this verse, the biggest problem, for God so loved the world. Throw that verse up there for me. Could you, John, real quick? For God so loved the world. Look at this. For God so loved the world, John 3:16. It's going to be up there in a minute. For God so loved the world. The biggest problem with this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, demonstrates the biggest answer. See, here's the biggest problem in all of Scripture. Here it is. You ready? Here it is. Write this down. The biggest problem, the biggest dilemma in all of Scripture is that God is just. That's the biggest problem. That is the biggest problem. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm thankful that God is just. But it's the biggest problem in all of scripture. I'll tell you why. Because God is just, sin must be paid for. God cannot satisfy that any other way. God cannot be like, man, I know you messed up, but I love you so much, I'm just going to turn the other way. No, you know why that will not happen? Because God is just. So for those of you who are like, well, I just hope I live good enough, you can't, and God is just, and you will not dwell in eternity in heaven with him. You will not. And I love you, but I'm I'm telling you. You know, it doesn't sound very loving. No, but that's why John 3.16 is so good. Because God is just. But because God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. See, Jesus satisfies the justice that God must see to save the world. Jesus is what covers us. Another way to think about it is this. Jesus took the beating for you. Jesus suffered the wrath of God for you. Scripture says in the book of Isaiah that it was a joy for God the Father to crush Jesus Christ on the cross. Why? How could it ever be a joy for a father to crush his son? Because he so loves the world. And he knew in that moment that he crushed his son on the cross... That whoever would believe that that moment took place, that whoever believed that that Jesus rose again would be saved. And that's what makes this grace so good. And that's what makes this news so wonderful. Because whoever believes in it will be saved. He will take your heart of stone. He will put in a heart of flesh. He will change your desires. You don't have to try so hard. You just got to lean into the goodness of God and let him take you there. So for anybody this morning that's been trying too hard to get to God, stop. He's here. He's ready right now. Anybody right now who's wrestling with an addiction or something so strong, stop trying so hard and fall under the arms of Jesus. Anybody right now who's walking in a broken marriage, stop right now and give it to Christ right now. God loves you. He does not hate you. He is not against you. But there are some parameters. You must treasure him higher than anything else. You are not worthy to follow Jesus. You must value him above all else. Or he cannot be your own. And listen to me, friend. If you are here saying that you believe in God, but not Jesus, my friend, listen. God is not your father. He is not your father. Because our love for God is demonstrated through our love of Jesus just bow your heads for a moment right now. Close your eyes. I want to encourage you today to grapple with this truth, to grapple with this theology, to ask yourself, when is the last time? Listen, I'm talking to you Christians. I'm talking to you Christians. You've been saved for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Some of you old people, 45, 50 years. Praise God. There's a question for you, sir. There's a question for you, ma'am. When is the last time you were floored by the love of Jesus Christ for you? When is the last time you were shocked by Jesus' love? Come on. Don't let it get old. (laughs) Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? For those of you who think you're too far gone, you are not. God loves you. He is for you. But you must follow. There is no in between. And because God is just, there must be a payment. Now here's the good news. Jesus made that payment for you. You today in this moment, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You in this moment right now can choose, can make the active decision to give God your life. And I'm not going to make it easy. I'm not going to give you words to do that because there are no magic words. There are no magic prayers that once you pray it, now you know Jesus. There is faith that the Holy Spirit initiates in your heart. And when you respond to that faith, your heart will cry out. And I can't fake those words. I can't give them to you. But I am encouraging you right now, if you feel the Holy Spirit working and moving, if you feel an emotion and a feeling, and you believe that Jesus Christ is God, and that God has raised him from the grave, I would encourage you right now to say whatever it is you need to say to follow him. I'm a sinner. I need you. Save me. Forgive me. Be my king. Be my God. And here's the good news. He will save you. He will save you before you even get the words out your mouth. He will forgive you before you even know what hit you. He's a good God. He's a good God. Father, we thank you for this today. We thank you for the movement in this, in this church. We repent, Lord, of our sin. We're so filled with it, and you so love us. I don't get it. I am so undeserving of that. But you love us anyway. I'm so grateful. Father, thank you. Today, you are saving men and women all across this campus. You are. And I thank you for that. May we be compelled by your grace and mercy. Please continue to move. In Jesus' name. And we all said, I feel like we should clap it out today. We all said, amen. Amen.